you know, back to those people who I think kind of are born to be entrepreneurs, a lot of them kind of look for ideas, but this idea just like hit me in the, in the face. And so I, I, I took some comfort in that. Hey there, CEOs. My name is Brandi Gar, and I am on a mission to help you, the wedding industry entrepreneur, to build a profitable business you love. Welcome to the Wedding Pro CEO Podcast. Today, I had the pleasure to sit down with Randy Bushel. She is the owner and co-founder of Mary, a 3D diagramming software for event professionals. And you guys, I am completely in love with this software. I found it not that long ago as a wedding professional, as a wedding planner or a venue especially, this is such an amazing tool to really stand out from the rest of your market, especially if you are design focused in your business. Being able to bring a room to life and to be able to let your client walk through the room and see the flowers and the menu cards, the plates, the linens, the chairs, literally everything that's going to be in their space, it really takes the design process to a whole new level. Randy was a sponsor of the Wedding Pro CEO Summit and watching her speak to a room of event professionals that were just peppering her with, can it do this? Can it do this? Can it do this? She had an answer to every single question. Mary does so many things. You would be shocked at all of the resources that are built right into the program. And I was like, I have to have her on the podcast. So I know that you're going to love this episode, but even more, I want you to go check out Mary and see it for yourself and see what you can do for your clients and how you can really sell such a unique experience to your design clients by using this software. So you guys, I know you're going to love this episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's jump right in. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am really, really excited about this episode today because Randy Bushell was a speaker and a sponsor at the Wedding Pro CEO Summit, and I feel like I got to know so much about her and about Mary, and I was like, you have to come on the podcast because I'm addicted at this point. Like, I want to know more, and I know my listeners will want to know more too. So Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're... (laughs) I was thinking before we got on, I'm like, Randy's so calm. She's so chill. And I'm like a 12 all the time. And I was like, this is going to be the most hysterical episode. Well, so Randy, can you tell everybody a little bit about you and kind of what Mary is like that top level, and then we'll break it down from there. Sounds good. So I am the co-founder and CEO of Mary, which is a 3D event design and planning platform. And kind of a little bit about me from before I took the dive into the events industry. I spent the first about 10 years of my career in e-commerce. They're very different. <laughs> Started at Macy's.com, but always, you know, in traditional retail, but on the e-com side. And what I really loved about e-com is like you're the owner of your own business within a bigger business. After about four years there, I moved over to what was a little startup at the time called Jet.com which about two years later was acquired by Walmart. That was where I caught the startup bug, this young, vibrant, fast-growing startup. And I was like, yes, this this is what I like. This is where I belong. And it's funny, actually, that you just said I'm calm because I don't think many people in my life would agree with you. Yeah, you were like so just you know thoughtful and just like calm and peaceful. I was like, wow. I mean, you have so much going on right now. You're like, you're building this huge, massive company of fundraising. I was like, she is so chill. That makes me feel a lot better about 
kind of hiding the internal chaos and, and how it's presented externally because, you know, a startup is just constant chaos. Um, but I liked that. It kind of yeah. suited me. And so after a few years there, I was actually planning my wedding. Kind of saw firsthand the challenges with booking, buying, and or renting everything that I needed for my event. And there was one night in particular, I always like to tell the story because I think it resonates with people, but we were ordering our menus and place cards and, you know, kind of that like day of decor stuff. So many options that I liked. And I was like, I don't know, how am I supposed to decide? Right. And so I decided to make a quote rendering, which was just a PowerPoint collage, right? Googled gray velvet tablecloth. And I like took a screenshot and I brought that into PowerPoint. And then I took like white China from a rental company website, right? And then I went to Pinterest and I found some like greenery because that's what we were having on the tables. And then I brought in like the different menus and place cards and we were like swapping things in and out. And I was like, this is asinine. Like, how is this how I'm making these decisions? Um, and given my kind of like e-commerce roots, I felt like there was this huge opportunity to build kind of like a shoppable experience where I could have seen, you know, the linens and the china and the menus all together, not only, you know, in one place, but also within the context of my, my venue. Uh, does sure. it fit? Is it to scale? Does it look good? And then can we help kind of facilitate the actual buying process from there? There's kind of a, a third point in this. So like the first point was like, we got acquired. I knew I loved startups. So I, I knew I needed to look for my next step. The second point was like the night that I just mentioned to you. And then the third point was in my interview process, because I was looking, um, I, I was talking to companies that were in this like interior design technology space. And I saw how they were using 3D visualization as a way to help consumers, you know, design their home and their apartment. I have this pain point and this technology exists in, in some form. Like, I feel like there's an opportunity here and I could bring it to life. I think a lot of people listening are like, yeah, I felt a pain point before and I know that something should be done about it, but I don't do anything about it, right? Like, how did you go from, okay, I know this pain point exists to starting a, a tech business? Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes <laughs> I'm still shocked that I did it because I'm an incredibly risk averse person. Like, okay. Like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I always knew I was going to start my own business, right? Like, I've always had that entrepreneurial itch. That was not me. Like I always viewed myself as like a really good like number two. Someone else can be the big visionary and like I just help execute. I really just thought this was such a good idea and it was so needed. You know, back to those people who I think kind of are born to be entrepreneurs, a lot of them kind of look for ideas, but this idea just like hit me in the in the face. And so I I, I took some comfort in that. And then the second thing that I'd say is I didn't just jump right in right away. I took probably six months to, to do a lot of research. Like I had planned all of one event in my life. I got in touch with some great event planners in New York City. And actually one of them said to me, I had this idea five years ago and I just didn't know how to do it. So I took probably six months to really do that. And then I got married. And what did your brand new husband think about all of this? He's been incredibly supportive since day one. He supports us as a family, yeah. you know, because sure. we're a young startup and it's not like, you know, founders pay themselves much, if anything at all. You mean you're not a millionaire already? I'm unfortunately not. 
<laughs> it always looks right on the outside. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like this amazing company. And, but it's a startup, like it is a startup. And that's what I think is so interesting about business stories is that it makes your business so much more relatable, you know, because honestly, from that, the outside, Mary looks like it's been around for at least 10 years. I mean, like it's so well oiled and I'm, I know you're probably like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it feels crazy on the back end. But um, even seeing you present at the summit, I mean, watching all these faces in the room that were like, oh my gosh, it does that. Like every single thing somebody asked, well, can it do this? You were like, yeah. it can. And I was like, how on earth does this thing already do all of this? Because when what when did all of this happen? So that like six month period of like researching, am I really going to do this was probably like, October 2018 through February 2019. So we really went full time, call it like March 2019. Um, We launched our beta six months after that in August 2019, which by the way, was horrible. Uh, The saying is, if you're not embarrassed by the first product you launched, then you waited too long to launch. Because of this concept of of an MVP, a minimum viable product, I'm just like, you've just got to get something out to start testing it and you're going to get valuable feedback because you just want, you've worked so hard on something and you want people to see the best version of it, but you unfortunately can't wait until it's the best version of itself. (laughs) Which I totally get. And two, because you didn't come from the wedding industry, you know, I'm sure that feedback was even more valuable because it's like, well, you don't necessarily know what's needed more from a, a bride's perspective, right? But having that feedback as people are using it had to have been so valuable. Totally. I think yeah. there's some good things about having like a beginner's mindset. Like I don't know this industry, so we have no preconceived notions and this is kind of like how we view it. So True. this makes sense. Like there's some benefits to that, right? But then there's sure. other things, like down to little things like vernacular, right? That like we just right. got wrong because like I didn't know, you know, how people yeah. use certain language in this industry. Yeah. You get something out there and you make it the very best that you can possibly do that time. Right. And then you just build on that and make it better every time. You said that you went, you launched the minimum viable product, launched your beta in August of 2019, which I think we all know what happened, (laughs) what, six months later. So (laughs) like, did the pandemic affect you or because you were so new, it was kind of like, whatever, or how was that? Both. (laughs) Okay, because I mean, the pandemic basically crushed our industry. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we had been later stage, meaning like a hundred person company that had raised a bunch of capital and was were post revenue, it could have been a lot worse for us. Because then all of a sudden your your revenue went from X to to zero pretty much overnight, right? We weren't generating revenue at that point. So when I was kind of modeling out the business and understanding like what our monthly budget was, I wasn't assuming any revenue. We still had to lay off 60% of the team, which was terrible. Our usage metrics, which is what we were kind of like benchmarking ourselves against at the time, literally it was like a flat line. And so overnight it went to nothing. So that was really stressful because I was constantly just in survival mode, right? Like how do we make sure that we can survive this? In some ways, I think I thrive in that mode. And so for me, it was like, I can control my expenses and here's what we're going to do. And and now we have a path. I would never want to relive those like six months. One of my, our like primary, like institutional investor at that point called me and he literally said, if you want to shut down, I won't blame you. I will back your next thing. What? Yeah. Like he called me and and told me this and I said, what? (laughs) I was like, no, I was like, no, like, well, we'll, 
I, I tend to be motivated by proving people wrong. Yeah. So, so that was terrible. On the positive side of things, when you're not focused on like acquiring customers and growing, what you get to focus on is the product. And so yes. we almost got another year to just be in build mode, which yes. was a gift. <laughs> I can see that. Absolutely. And it, and no one could really say to you, hey, what's going on? Because you're like, hello, the entire world is shut down, which, you know, I started my business during the 2008 recession. And I have to say, similarly, I kept telling people, listen, if you're thinking about starting a business during the pandemic, this is the best time because yeah. you really can only go up from here which is kind of a blessing. I was just on the phone with a student before this too. And she started her business during the pandemic. And I was like, she said, the pandemic was the best blessing for me business-wise, right? And I understand, obviously, it wasn't like that for everybody. But I, I think that it really can be because it just depended on how bad you wanted to hang on yeah, and you know your grit, your tenacity. So when did you branch out of New York City? Because you're kind of everywhere now, I feel like. Yeah, it was kind of an accident. You know, one of the things that we realized when New York shut down was like, okay, we need to figure out a way to grow like agnostic of where we are physically. Like we used to go to every single venue and take pictures and measurements and 3D model them, which we knew wouldn't scale eventually. But again, you're, you do what you have to do and then you figure out how to like automate things later. Yeah. We know that there's actually probably a big opportunity right now to help planners kind of manage their clients from home, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, they can't even, you know, go meet with their clients or go to a venue walkthrough or go to a rental right. company showroom. Is it okay? We built this product within the product that we now call a custom venue tool where a planner can either upload a floor plan themselves where they can, you know, trace it and like in a very drag and drop way, build a 3D model, or we also offer to do it for them for free. Okay. And so that was our way of saying, okay, no matter where you are in the world, you can work on there. Now, was it going to look like a photorealistic rendering of the venue that we went to and took photos of? No. Is it going to be to scale and you'll get your 2D and 3D, you know, floor planning and design tools? And it generally is reminiscent of the space. Yeah. So we built that and that kind of just like unleashed the beast, <laughs> which is why now we're in every state and I think like, you know, 10 countries and in small ways, right? Like that's not part of our strategy right now. It was meant to be kind of like a controlled grow, like radiating circles, right? Like start in New York City, then go to the, you know, five boroughs, then then go to the tri-state area, then go to the Northeast. That is right. not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're everywhere. At the summit, you know, it was mostly planners. We had a lot of photographers, DJs, things like that there as well. But it was really interesting to me how immediately they were like, oh, I'm getting this venue on board. I'm getting that venue on board. And from my own personal experience, I, I shared with you that I had actually a bride who came across Mary and she just wanted to get in there on her own and play. And, you know, we weren't really to the stage yet, you know, that we would have been doing that, but she was like, I love this software. And now she can go in and change things out. She can show me exactly what she was looking for in something. Whereas before she was like trying to find that perfect, okay, this is what I want my table to look like. And I love that because it's helped us to be able to communicate better and she's able to visualize. And that's that's with a venue that isn't necessarily completely built out like you're talking about. Can you help to describe the difference between like a fully built out venue and one that a planner would upload? I know you touched on it. So when we create a 3D model of a venue that we are working with directly, we have a human being creating 
that 3D model. You can obviously think of it as like an architect building, you know, a blueprint and then creating kind of like a CAD drawing and then turning that into a 3D model. It's a very manual process. We are using, you know, their exact architectural drawings. But then more even importantly than that, it's all of the details from are there, you know, murals on the walls and where are the vents? And, you know, like people even commented in, in your summit of like, oh, my God, you even have the outlets, right? So it's yeah, w- whatever the architecture and kind of like materials and props that are within a space, you, you see them one to one. With this ex- express version, it's again, still to scale. The, the walls, floor and ceiling kind of are what they are. But you aren't really going to see much detail that's on the wall. It just isn't going to have the the little knickknacks. It's a yeah. fine way of describing it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. But I was actually surprised when you said that because I was like, this diagram I feel like has so much in it and it's not a fully built out diagram. So if you're listening and you're like, okay, well, you know, how detailed can it get? I mean, it really gets quite detailed. So if you're using it as a planner, it is such an amazing way to be able to help your clients to see exactly what you're going to do in the space. And they can like walk around like they're a little Sims character. It's really kind of fun. (laughs) I love that part. of I was against building a product like this that didn't look like a complete replica of the space. No, everything has to be exact. Like that's the point, right? And my co-founder had wanted to build this like a while before we did. And I was super against it. Then we we obviously built it. And what we learned was like good enough was actually like, like exceeded everyone's expectations. Yeah. Sometimes like, like when we first did it, I was like, Oh, like, I don't know if like this planner is going to be happy with this. And they would respond like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And I just like always have to kind of remind myself, like if people are used to like a two dimensional stencil drawing and we're giving them something like, you know, 80% better than that, like that missing 20% is, is okay. And eventually as we work with more and more venues directly, that problem, you know, can kind of solve itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I feel like it's helped so much. So how would you say, Randy, that this affects planners and venues that are considering using it? I mean, what would you tell them is the reason that they should, that it should be a no brainer? I mean, how does it help them to level up their business? Yeah. So I'll start with the, the planner side of things. So with planners, I think it comes down to two things. The first is like, how much time are you spending on design presentations that are kind of like what I mentioned before of like cropping and snipping and grouping, you know, things in a PowerPoint. Mary kind of ties together a lot of those design elements into a, a floor plan. The second thing is related to both client expectations as well as what you charge and, and the value that they perceive from your services. What I kind of get on my high horse about is like times are changing. Yep. <laughs> as we start having to service kind of younger millennials and, and older Gen Z, which they expect enablement across every facet of their lifestyle. Like the dentist is now fully, you know, tech enabled. I don't talk to somebody to make an appointment and I have all of my records. So like if my dentist can do it, like my event planner sure can. So just this expectation that consumers now have of the type of service you provide and how easy it is for them to make decisions is going to become, my opinion, more and more of a factor in A, how satisfied your customers are post-booking, but also like who they book with because they want to know that you're going to make their their life easier. Mm -hmm. On the venue side, again, it comes down to two things. Everybody needs a floor plan. Great. Now we're kind of translating floor plans into 3D models. Wonderful. But again, back on my high horse, to sell your space, 
Your client wants yep. to know what their event is going to look like in your space. And when they come see the space, it's either set up for another event or it's empty. The part of my brain that allows me to like understand what something could look like that isn't physically there is just missing. <laughs> and a lot of people are like that. Yes. Yes. So help them understand what their event mm-hmm. will look like and that will help you close that deal. Um, it will also save your sales team time on the back end of the sale because they're not going to ask you a million times, you know, well, how would you lay out the space for this? By the way, we built a rules engine. So if your max capacity is 500, we don't allow people to go, you know, over 500. If you put, if you're putting tables too close together, if they turn red and we yell at you, you're not allowed to hang things on the ceiling. If you're not allowed to hang things on the ceiling, you can invite your client. They can see everything. They can see different options and they can focus then on again, using Mary to sell more events as opposed to kind of dealing with the post sale logistics. Yeah. There's so much that you just said there, Randy, that (laughs) I kind of want to touch on. First of all, I'm in love with this dentist analogy that you just used because I literally just said to my husband yesterday, we're changing dentists. And he was like, why? And I said, I'm so over it. There's five of us that have to make appointments. I have to call. I wait 20 minutes on hold. There's no way to reach them digitally. I'm I'm so done. And he's like, just because you have to call? I was like, 100%. So I started looking for dentists yesterday specifically based on if they do digital appointments. Like, I don't want to call you. It makes me crazy. I avoid calling people at all costs. (laughs) It does. And I know that sounds silly, but I love how you made that analogy because you're 100% right. Our clients that we're selling to, and y'all, I'm a zennial, so like I'm really Gen X, but kind of on the cusp, so I say zennial because it makes (laughs) me sound younger. But um, I, for me to be that passionate about it, I, people don't have time to waste and I want to be able to quickly get in and out. I want to be able to move something if I want to. And being able to send it to your clients, I mean, I think that's huge because you showed us at the summit, you can lock it so that they can just see it, right? But you can also give them the ability to play around and say, hey, you know, here's kind of a first draft, your design. But if there's something you want to change, feel free to play, you know, switch things out. And then they can see it and they can, you know, it just makes that communication so much different. So many of us are building design boards inside Canva, which listen, y'all, I love Canva. Okay. So I think it has its place, but this is a whole different level. Like this is showing them their event in their space for their people and down to putting their monogram on the dance floor. Like it's so, it makes it feel so much more designed. And I do think clients are starting to expect that, especially out of luxury planners and venues. It's just an expectation at this point. Yeah. So a frustration that I had going back to my wedding planning experience was I liked something that I saw on Instagram or Pinterest, but like, where do I get that? Right. How do I do that? And so everything that you do on Mary is based on like a real venue that we either build for you or you select because we already have it real inventory. Right. So we have a catalog of 53,000 tablecloths and napkins and chairs and tables and whatever for you to choose from. So crazy. And you guys, if you haven't seen Mary before, I want to challenge you to take just a few minutes in the next day or so to just pop in and poke around the website, you know, really take a look at the demos that they have and how that works. Randy, where can people go to get more information on Mary or to kind of see the inner workings of how it would work? Yeah, you can go to bemary.com, B-E-M-E-R-R-I.com. You can also email help at bemary.com. We offer what we call Mary 101 classes every other Tuesday. 
there'll be like a banner at the top where you can sign up. It's a great overview that I do, 45 minutes. Here's everything you need to know about Mary. You can also sign up for a, a one-on-one session. Wow. I love the Mary 101. Like, that's so cool. Especially because I think a program like this, it can feel daunting when yes. you first start, but it doesn't need to be. And the faster you can learn it to be able to implement it, you, you know, the better you're going to use it. So I love that so much. And then what about Instagram? You guys are Mary, just Mary on Instagram. Just Mary on Instagram. We got the handle. We just didn't get the, the domain. One day we will. The website for now is bmary.com. <laughs> and we are going to link all of that, you guys, in the show notes below. So make sure you check Mary out. It is honestly one of my favorite, favorite tools for event planners and venues. So it's time to level up. So let's do it. Randy, thank you so much for being here. This was great. Thanks, Randy. Hey there, Wedding Pro. Are you feeling overwhelmed, burned out, and wondering how you will ever pay yourself an actual salary from this business you're building? I get it. I'm a wedding pro just like you. I sat in this season of overwhelm and no pay for way too long. Now I own one of the largest planning firms in Orlando, Florida, while doing less than five weddings myself each year. And yeah, I pay myself a full-time salary too. And I'm not alone. Hundreds of other wedding pros just like you have gone from overwhelmed pro to confident CEO by using the proven strategies I teach inside the Wedding Pro CEO Accelerator. I tell Brandy all the time how grateful I am for her. Before joining with her, I thought I was successful and I was successful, but I was working 24 seven, barely making a profit. Now, over a year later working with her, it's just been life changing. We have our Monday calls. I voice text with other wedding planners all over the nation. And it's helpful just to have someone that's done what we're trying to do. And that is what the CEO Accelerator Group has helped and taught me to do. Inside the Accelerator, you get lifetime access to the six step-by-step modules that walk you through the pillars of a profitable wedding business. The financial services spreadsheet that Brandy gives you as a part of the Accelerator is worth the price of the Accelerator alone. If you need clarity on finances, your budget, if you can hire, if you can even pay the people that you have hired, go get the Accelerator because that spreadsheet gave me the knowledge and power to make the decisions to continue hiring and growing my team in the way that I want to. But what good is all of this knowledge without accountability, community, and of course, a place to ask your most burning questions? When you join the Wedding Pro CEO Accelerator, you also get six months inside our live coaching membership. It literally has changed the way I do business. It has changed the way I view things. It has changed the way that I manage things. It is totally amazing to be able to sit with CEOs that have been through what I've been through, have been through the trenches and can give me the insight as to how they got through it. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the only person on the planet who feels this way. No, there's tons of other CEOs that feel the same way I do. And we can talk about it, think through it, and we can learn. It is absolutely amazing. And if you're thinking about it, you should do it. The Wedding Pro CEO Accelerator is the best of a course, a membership, and a group coaching community all in one. The group has been so supportive and has really kept me sane through the busiest season I've ever seen in my career. For that, I'm really thankful. Looking forward to the next year and all the things I have to learn to grow and scale my business and super excited for the next steps. 
here's the thing. You can absolutely listen to this show every single week to get nuggets that will help you scale your business. And over the course of a few years of piecing together all of that free information, you could very likely grow a successful wedding business. Or you can join the Wedding Pros CEO Accelerator today to get the proven step-by-step roadmap you need to ditch the overwhelm, build maximum profit, and step into your role as confident CEO, all in just six short months. In 2021, we did 220,000 in revenue, which I was so excited about at the time. In 2022, where we sit now, our revenue came in around 560,000. Honestly, I attribute so much of that to really being able to grow. I actually no longer take on weddings myself. I'm really able to focus and be the CEO of my company. And that's come with a lot of guidance from the Accelerator Group, all of the other incredible CEOs in that program, bouncing ideas off of each other, asking for the help and hearing from other people and what's worked and what hasn't. Just click the link in the show notes below to learn more about the Wedding Pro CEO Accelerator and let's build your profitable wedding business together.